on this episode of The Kinked Wire. What I wanted to do is really focus in on physicians because I feel like we're sometimes not the ones in the forefront of making decisions and how healthcare is going. And it's not our fault. It's because we kind of weren't taught leadership skills. Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly Magazine. You can learn more at our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. In this episode, King Twire host Ron Greekoff speaks with interventional radiologist Elsie Coe about her physician leadership training company, her experience as CMO of a nationwide healthcare provider, and about the new Women in Interventional Radiology section's Green Big Book Club program. We're very pleased to have Elsie uh, Coe, interventional radiologist, webcast person, intricately involved in the SIR and in her spare time, CMO of a major medical organization and goodness knows what else. But hi, Elsie. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Warren. Thanks for having me. Let's start, if you don't mind, with the book club, because I know you're actually pretty heavily involved in that. And actually, I think you've got something coming right up with that, if I'm not mistaken. It's called the Dream Big Book Club for Women in IR. And it's being led by uh, Nishida Kathari. It was actually her idea, but she asked me what I thought about it and if I could lead it, if I could join the governing council. I've not had an official role in WIR, but I was so happy that she called me because we have a lot more in common than I thought. I, you know, I know Nishida for many years, but when she when she talked about it and we've had conversation about it, it's been tremendous. And this is what we're trying to give back to uh, to help other women who are interested in IR or who, or who are practicing in IR, and basically help lift women up and help empower them into uh, positions that they might not have thought they could do. Where do you sort of see the WIR section and possibly even the, the Dream Big sub-community? Where do you see that going? That's a hard question, Warren. Um, well, Sorry. I think we're, we're just starting. I mean, this is just the beginning, I think, right. of another way to get more people involved in WIR. First of all, when I started in IR, I think 20 years ago, it was only 1% of women in IR. And now I think they said it's like 9 or 10%. Okay. Just more awareness of, of this field and that women who make up 50% or more in medical school right now can even just think about this being part of their future career and why we love it and gain more awareness, but not only help the people who are already entrenched in IR and say, hey, you know what? There's more to what you're doing right now. And it seems to me you'd be and are a perfect person for this because of all the other hats that you wear, some of which I'd like to touch on. I mean, you are CMO of a major medical organization nationwide that actively hires and and works with IRs. Is that experience something you leverage into your work with the uh, women in IR section? This is a recent role that I just started taking, and we are a startup, but we're certainly dreaming big. And I everything <laughs> that I, I teach, I try, I practice. And we're, we are growing already to, I believe it's six centers uh, right now. Okay. And, and we're, we're actively looking at more. So there's so much that we can do to help patients uh, with limb salvage. That's what we're about. So yes, we're actively looking for IRs. We're, we want to become a nationwide company. And what it does for women, I mean, if women are interested in that, I would certainly encourage them to, to contact me. And we're always looking for people who are great in uh, what they do in PAD work. 
And then sort of your teaching, you mentioned a, a little bit, but um, if, you, if you can touch on that a little bit, the work with the lead physician, I would think, again, that that would tie in pretty closely to some of the uh, women in IR stuff. But, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be uh, invited on, on to your show. There's been a lot of great physicians and not, not just IRs for that matter. But, how, you know, how does that relate? So Lead Physician is a online leadership uh, program that I started just right before COVID. And I've been coaching physicians um, well before that. But what I wanted to do is really focus in on physicians because I feel like we're sometimes not the ones in the forefront of making decisions and how healthcare is going. And it's not our fault. It's because we kind of weren't taught leadership skills. And when I went to the ACHE, which is American College of Healthcare Executives meeting, and they have a forum for physicians, and they spoke about finding physician leaders. They said, you know what, there's a ton of physicians out there who have second degrees and, you know, MBAs, and they have MHAs, and they may have JDs and whatever. There's so many of them out there, but they can't find great leaders. And for a second, I was, I was really how could they say something like that? I mean, we're we're great leaders, but then you know there I I remember thinking, you know what? What they're talking about is that we don't have great people skills. It's kind of unfortunate, but we weren't really taught those because we've been studying so hard and we've been mm. focusing on being independent thinkers. And I think that times are changing. We all know that, you know, healthcare can't sustain the way it was fee for service. And we have to change with the times. And the way we do that is we learn these leadership skills. Once you learn those leadership skills, the sky's the limit for what you can do with all the background and all the knowledge that you've gained through all those years of hard work. If you just attach your people skills to your, your scientific skills, you can really succeed. And yes, so that has everything to do with Dream Big. You and I have talked about this in the past, but I, you know, I sort of have the feeling that uh, with everything that you just said about physician leadership, that it's kind of worse in a way for IRs because, um, you know, whatever the gender, IRs seem to be um, thought of sometimes, I think, as their own separate little silo or specialty. You know, I think sometimes uh, thought of just as technicians. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I totally agree. I, I experienced the hardships of that, not being able to get even hospital privileges and places where I want to get them because I'm not part of the radiology group. And mm. and that's why I think it's great that, you know, SIR is really working to help change that whole paradigm, including with the way fellowships have changed and are changing. So I completely agree. But I think together, again, with leadership skills, we can make a lot of changes. And we can't say we can't sit back and say, you know, it's impossible. It's never going to happen. Instead, all these small changes that we're making are incrementally helping the future IRs and the current IRs on, on practicing the way that we should be practicing. But I think it's sort of incumbent upon all of us, I guess, as, as IRs to show what we can do in all those sort of um, non-medical fronts, you know, administration, leadership, those kinds of things. Obviously, you're, you know, a very experienced IR, but you also have this yet other hat of healthcare administration. How did you get involved with all that? You mentioned physicians getting secondary degrees and stuff. I know you did that a little while back. What spark went off in you to pursue that? Well, I was asked about um, six years ago, I think, uh, if I wanted to be chief medical officer of my prior organization. And I remember picking up the phone and speaking to that person. And I wasn't ready for that. I didn't even believe that I was CMO material. And, you know, as a result, I started laughing. Wow. <laughs> and that's not what you do when you want that position. And and <laughs> when I got off the phone, I, I had this 
feeling of why would this even happen to me? Why would anyone ask? And obviously, I didn't have the right self-image and self-confidence. And I couldn't even envision myself. So that's where this whole program just sparked in my mind. Like, you know, if this happens to me and I fail at showing up as a person that I want to be and I'm not even ready for opportunity, then that's where I need to stop and think about how am I approaching my life and my future? And if so, if anybody out there wants to be in some kind of leadership role, they want to be more involved. It doesn't have to be CMO. You know, everyone's a leader, you know, a leader Mm -hmm. in your office, a better leader. It starts from within. I love that statement that someone said that you could only be as high as your self-image. So build that, start dreaming, start building your self-image to the level of, you know, far beyond that you think you could ever reach. It almost makes you sick thinking like that you could even do that. And you don't even want to share it with anyone because you're so afraid that they're going (laughs) to laugh at you. That's where you need to go. Something that you're so passionate about. So I started thinking, you know what? Since I didn't get the CMO position and they started doubting me because I I doubted myself, then I started Mm. thinking, you know what? Maybe I I need to start thinking this way. And then I was able to get the CMIO position. And then not that that's anything lower, but I mean, I, I was able to work hand in hand with the CMO and a lot of projects. I loved it. And you got to test the waters. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't Mm want to be that, but you got to find out. You know, if you're not happy where you are, find out what else is there. And if you like it, pursue it and then have that bigger vision. Start speaking like the person you want to be. You know, it's a whole mind-body connection. How you show up, how you speak, how you act, how you approach someone. Your body language shows up because of how you see yourself internally. That's what it's all about. That's really important information and interesting that you as an IR took the bull by the horns and said, okay, I'm going to get trained. I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to get this done. And I think part of the message is, sure, we, you know, we offer a lot to patients as IRs clinically, you know, in our day-to-day work for sure. But there's this other outlet where we can really impact or put our stamp on patient care as IRs in just as an original and unique way, uh, sort of, as you were saying, with the skills and administration and such, if it's right for you. That's right. And we constantly need to change our mindset about the struggles and the the hardships and the inequalities. We got to think, you know, those are opportunities. Those are areas of opportunities of what we can do. And you know what? I might fail, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try. And let's let's see if we can make changes in SIR. Let's see if we can make changes for interventionists in a way that's going to really help patients and help ourselves. I think there's, in our listenership, there's a lot of folks who benefit from your experience and, and it's, I think it's good to share, which actually reminds me, it was, you know, just curious from most of the people we talked to. So how did you get interested in IR to begin with? I heard that medical students and in, in, or residents in training changed their field of specialty two to three times. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. I read somewhere, but I think you gotta you gotta go out there and you gotta be open minded and you gotta search and and think and and try and you know just be curious. I tell my son who just went to college, he's sophomore, and I said, you know what? I feel bad by looking back that I didn't take the opportunity to do the things that I wanted to do. I should have I should have gone abroad or I should have stepped into things that I'm not comfortable with. We got to step out of our comfort zone. So what I did, um, I wasn't you know I was very different person back then and I was not the way I'm talking about right now. So we were all all very different people back then. Very shy. (laughs) 
uh, not very outspoken. But what I did do that was correct was I did a sub internship my fourth year and I thought I was going to go to OBGYN. But because I just enjoyed radiology, just like reading films, and then I went into the sub-I and IR. I just love the personalities of who who comes to IR. It's, it's a comp- vastly different from the vascular surgery rotation. Sure. And yeah. I just love the people. The people that show up that go to these SIR meetings, the people who I meet, you know, at the local meetings are very similar in mindset. They're fun. How many doctors ask you to call them by their first yeah. name? Yeah. I thought that was odd. No one else in any other rotation did that. And I just had great fellows that I worked with as a sub-I. They let me do things. They taught me things. And I was just amazed at what we could do for patients using these minimally invasive stuff. So I think number one, the people. I completely agree with you. I had that same experience, you know, my attending in fourth year medical school, my IR attending, you know, had me call him by his first name. I'm still in touch with him, but sort of what? That, that, you can do that? I, I didn't know that was okay, you know. Back- <laughs> and they're, they're, they're happy, you know, right, you, you right. could tell like, wow, these people are happy. Well, everybody picks what is best for them. And it sounds like it really worked out well for you in IR. We've, we've covered a lot of ground today. Um, I want to ask you one more difficult question. And I swear I'm not asking you gotcha questions. I'm not trying to. <laughs> but this one, this one, you know, we ask of everyone and uh, sometimes it can be a little challenging. But um, given, you know, everything we've talked about, if you weren't an IR and, and it doesn't have to be medicine, but what do you think you'd be doing instead? You know, that's really, I think it would be some surgical subspecialty because I really okay. love uh, doing um, surgery and pr- procedures. And so I probably would still be doing something with my hands and, and having interactions with patients and helping them. So I would but, venture a guess that, it, that that's pretty common. I feel that way. And I think a lot of people would, that there is that attraction to, I don't know if I'm putting it quite the right way, but almost like a, an immediate fix. Not, not that every procedure is successful, but you get that sort of immediate gratification, at least I like that. I know. And I think you're right. A lot of those surgical subspecialties, you get that uh, as well. And you know, the last thing I would say, Warren, is that, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe she's just lucky she got that position and, you know, she's she's the right place, right time. Because, you know, I, I do know my boss. He was my former boss. So there is definitely some luck. But what is the definition of luck that we see out there? The definition of luck is opportunity meeting preparedness. So mm. if you are prepared, if your image of yourself and your mindset, and there's a lot of, you know, I'm looking at the U.S. Open. I'm seeing such strong mindset in these, in these athletes. Mm. We have to be like athletes. We have to have a strong mindset of what we can do, not just like uh, an ego of how we're better than others. No, but a strong mindset of what we're capable of, our potential, and dream big, and then when opportunity arrives, someone calls you for that position, you're going to say, yes, I'm mm. ready. That's me. I got it. Thank you for the call. I can take that position. I know I can do it. And instead of laughing and saying, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> now, I think that's just wonderful advice, you know, really for anybody. But I mean, I think especially for IRs, and it sounds to me like the Dream big in the women in IR section, you know, is is in really good hands with that kind of advice and, and attitude. So we all look forward to tuning into the series. 
Yeah, so and, register uh, online in the WIR section. The first one, uh, I know this is going to be aired sometime in October, but our first one is going to be September 14, and the following will be October 19, November 16, December 14, and January 11, and February 8th. And multiple hand-picked books, uh, not only by the author, some some are by the author themselves, which is going to be fantastic, mm. and other ones who know authors or you know people who know these books really well. And I'll be part of the panelists and trying to you know help this forward and just to help people learn these concepts and leadership in this kind of a forum. And I hope to see more and more women uh, physicians there. We really appreciate uh, having you here. We're, we're looking forward to the series. I think everyone will benefit from it. Thanks for taking the time and, and sharing a few pearls with us. Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity. That was Dr. Elsie Coe discussing the importance of leadership in IR, a positive self-image, and how the SIR Women in IR section hopes to foster both. We thank Dr. Coe for her time and you for listening to The King Wire. Our host is Dr. Warren Craycock. Our editor is Dr. Jamin Shaw. Our manager is Dr. Jason Fisher. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us, drop us a line at irq.sirweb.org. At